0: Welcome back to Talking Rugby Podcast 11. As always you're joined by myself Katie and with me is Matt. Matt have you had a good week?
1: Yeah brilliant week Uh, again another week closer to the start of Premiership Rugby.
0: We are another week closer and literally within the last half an hour we can confirm that yes it's going ahead and we have the first round of fixtures and Matt and I've got them in front of us now so let's tell you where it all starts off at Twickenham Stoop on Friday night 159 days after the last Gallagher Premiership match Friday the 14th of August that is going to be so good isn't it Matt
1: absolutely I think uh, it's good to get started with a game like that I mean say they're pushing high at the top of the table and then Queens at home are always strong and uh, even recently they've been I say recently, 159 days ago, they were doing pretty well uh, towards the end. I think that's a, that's a cracking match
0: to start with. It is. And then we've got Exeter, Leicester, Bath, Irish, Worcester, Gloucester and Bristol Saracens all on Saturday. There's some tasty games there, especially Exeter, Tigers.
1: Yeah, that, that's that's a yeah, very interesting fixture. I mean, Leicester have had a lot, a lot of players leave uh, over the last uh, well, since they, since they last played. And uh, coming up against Exeter, they've got to field their strongest team or potentially try and work out what their strongest team is in uh, training to get ready for that
0: big match. Indeed. And then on Sunday, to wrap up our first weekend, we've got Northampton versus Wasps. Another great game. Sort of Wasps sat in the middle of the table. Saints a bit higher up. it would be interesting to see how they go.
1: Mm, absolutely. I think it's a classic round of Premiership rugby, really. Every game you look at is... Has got something riding on it, something interesting. There's certainly plenty of uh, narratives to pick from, even the Bristol Bears and Saracens game, where Sarah's are already relegated. But, uh, what a game that is going to be with a lot of players, uh, a lot of new players for Bristol, including a couple of low knees from Saracens.
0: It'll be so interesting. And next week, Matt and I are going to be discussing this in more detail because there are a lot of things we want to talk about and not enough that we want to get across <laughs> in this podcast. It's so exciting. I know, it is. It is really, really exciting. But there won't be as many players in the Gallagher Premiership because some of those have left. They've gone various places abroad. But eight of the Premiership rugby players have actually gone to Japan. And that is where we are flying to in our minds this week. Mm. We're going over to Japan and we're going to look at why players are going over there. This season alone, 20 players across all um, leagues are, have gone to Japan. Eight of those, like I said, are in the Premiership. Let me read out some sort of big names that we all know Freddie Burns, Franco Murray, Tom Marshall, Owen Williams. Franco Moster isn't confirmed but is rumoured. Charlie Matthews, Alex Gould, George Cruz, Hadley Parts, Greg Laidlaw, Bowden Barrett, Aaron Cruden. I'll stop there, but there, there are more. They are big names. And they're flying over and Japanese rugby has really bloomed. Let's look at how they were in 2015 in sort of the national side. They were the first side to win three pool games and not progress to the quarterfinals. But from there, it's really grown, hasn't it, Matt?
1: Yeah, it's been pretty quickly, actually, as well, um, which is really good to see rugby growing in an area like Japan. And... um, I think they really took to the World Cup um, in both 2015 and 2019. Both of those World Cups, they they had something to talk about, and it's really got I think those in, those people in Japan really excited. And um, this this new league, these players coming in, are really going to uh, make it more attractive for Japanese fans.
0: They are indeed, and you speak about the 2019 Rugby World Cup there. It was world. It was the most successful World Cup ever financially, 6.1 billion US dollars, and 99% of the tickets sold that broke the World Cup attendance record. It just sort of proves how big it's grown over there. That's you know this is a nation that hasn't been known on the world rugby stage for a long time, and arguably has only really gotten on in 2015. Four years later, they break the record for the most successful World Cup. Hang on a second—that's got to be, you know, not ringing alarm bells, but ringing fantastic bells somewhere because they've embraced it.
1: Yeah, it's it's really good. That that ninety-nine percent is fantastic. I mean, a lot, most of the stadiums were what above twenty thousand, above thirty thousand, mm. and um, to get that many people going to a World Cup in a place like Japan, is phenomenal for the game of rugby, uh, let alone Japanese rugby. It's, uh, it's fantastic. And maybe they, they want some more now. It's, it certainly seems like uh, they're going to continue to go forward.
0: Indeed. And we all know that the current England head coach, Eddie Jones, was over in Japan as their head coach from 2012 to 2015. And he instilled some core values, really. Duty, courage, respect, loyalty, integrity. And he basically said to them, if you don't want to play, get out and, well, look what happened. They all wanted to play and Mm -hmm. they've really turned it around. But rugby in Japan has been going for a long, long time. We sort of looked into the history and it's been played in Yokohama since around 1866. Um, But rarely, there were very rarely Japanese players playing. It would be sort of visiting ships and sailors would play. And then it sort of developed from there. But let's look at the top league because that is where players are going. It's the National League of Japan, and created in two thousand and three. It's an industrial league where many players are employees of their company, and the teams are all owned by major company companies. So it operates under a financially lucrative corporation, if you like. So that's probably most likely how they can play these players. Pay these players so much money, isn't it, Matt?
1: yeah it's quite an interesting setup, probably quite unique but um, if it's like a even like a sugar daddy in the, in the premiership I suppose they're kind of all uh, at that at that level potentially uh, certainly the current players probably aren't earning that much in in the grand scheme of things so they they can afford these these big players that are demanding higher wages. Or certainly getting attracted by these higher wages anyway.
0: Mm. And you mentioned it there in 2012 um, South Africa's Jacques Fourie, who's now with the COVID Steelers was reported to be the world's highest player in world rugby. And if we take that, look at Dan Carter when 37, three-time world rugby player of the year. He moved to the Steelers in 2018 and his yearly salary was US 1.4 million. Now mm. that just doesn't happen, you know, in New Zealand, Australia, Northern Hemisphere, anywhere in rugby at the moment.
1: No, it's it's impossible in the Premiership because, well, the, the salary cap and uh, different things like that with players not being well, clubs not being able to afford to go above the the current salary cap. So, I think that that's you know, it's where the money lies, isn't it? The money talks.
0: The money does talk, but interestingly, I think the culture that they can offer and sort of. A very different playing style maybe because it's less intense and the top league can clubs can only have six foreign players in a matchday squad which means that sort of you know you come over have rugby that's maybe slightly less intense than you've been used to in the northern or southern hemisphere and there's a vibrant new culture waiting for them the season's shorter like I said it's less physically demanding it seems an all-round fantastic package I mean why go to France when you could go to Japan on more money and a completely different culture?
1: Yeah, I think that that line there about the clubs only having six foreign players in a matchday squad is a really clever thing that they've set up in Japan. I think that is um it's that's gonna be massive to their success as a national team because okay, you got all these players coming in from Different countries that are stars around the globe, and uh, that have done it all before, got loads of experience, and they're all going to pass um, their experience onto these Japanese players, who then get to actually have a go um, at the in the top league. They actually get to work with the uh, top players, and I think instead of having a team full of the the, the well stardust, if you like. Uh, they've integrated the the Japanese players themselves and that is a fantastic thing for Japanese rugby and their international team. I think they're going to go strength to strength as a result of that that rule that's still in place, even though all these players are coming over.
0: I really back that, what you're saying. it's It's fantastic because it allows the national team to grow and you can do that by supporting you know, players that have been there and done it. I mean, if they implemented that in France, if you look at the (laughs) state of, you know, national rugby in France compared to the quality of club rugby in France, it could tell a very different story.
1: I was just going to mention uh, France with Toulon and how they had, a few years ago, they had, well, star names 1 to 15 and, um, what coincided with that was the, the French squad getting worse and worse uh, the national team getting worse and worse. So, uh, Mm -hmm. I think they've probably had a look at that, seen it happen and said they don't want it themselves. And but yeah, that's fantastic.
0: It is. It's, and it's such, so it's sort of so refreshing mm. because it, it sort of says, well, yeah, okay, come play for us. We would like your experience. We'd like your knowledge. Come and, you know, show us how it's done, but then let us play.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's, it, it's best of both worlds.
0: It's really, really nice. But Okay, here's one for you. The cherry blossoms, but they're cherry and white. Mm-hmm. I, I liked that. I really like that. But I said because um, Franco Moray, Tom Marshall, Owen Williams have all gone to the Red Hurricanes, and mm-hmm. so has Gloucester's former coach, Johan Ackerman. So it does sort of seem that at the moment there's a mm-hmm. tiny bit of a cherry and white feel over.
1: They're setting up camp, aren't they? Maybe yeah. they've got a new Kings home coming or
0: something. Potentia. Maybe that,
1: the whole stadium's going <laughs> to Japan as well.
0: <laughs> Let's move the shed across. But it sort of shows that, you know, they have a vision and they like maybe a style that Gloucester played, and that's why they're recruiting coaches and players.
1: Yeah, there's there's certainly that. And with the situation in the Premiership at the minute where players' wages are getting cut, the they've probably got a tight group of friends at Gloucester and one of them's gone over and had a look and said hey this is pretty good why don't you know come and have a look as well come with me sort of thing and say well you're getting this wage cut by this much percentage in the premiership come and earn more than you were earning in Japan that sort of thing and they've probably had a little collab or a whatsapp group or whatever you like talking about it maybe i don't know
0: potentially and it was interesting because tom marshall re-signed with gloucester and it, it saw him stay at king's Hill for a long time and, and now he's moving to japan so their, their recruitment is obviously very very good but somebody that i'm very 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 excited to see in japan but slightly confused is Bowden barrett he signed for the blues we thought okay fantastic let's see what he can do there but he's moving over do you think it's a good move
1: or a weird move. It's definitely a weird move. Um you could probably find some some uh, good aspects in there as well. It's very strange that he's leaving New Zealand uh, even though he's still in the the national team. Okay, be back or he's scheduled to be back in time for the World Cup. Um you it's very very weird if you look at it that way, but in terms of himself, it's probably going to give him an extra bit of experience an extra little bit of you know, I've done this I've spoke to this people I've got a different culture and it, it makes makes him probably a better player a better person
0: definitely and it will surely only improve him and then subsequently yeah. you know he'll only improve a team but it is really taking Japan I looked at the Japan Times when we were doing our research and they've got a whole section on their website dedicated to the top league and this is something you know sometimes we don't even see in our country the Mm. papers sort of dedicating a whole section to rugby so it, it proves that they they want it to be a success and i suppose they do in some sort of way need a national sport um sumo wrestling didn't take off probably the way they wanted it to they are hosting the olympics next year obviously it was meant to be this year but that's been postponed but rugby they've they've had it first so why not continue
1: yeah absolutely i think they they're really trying their hardest with this and they they love it and you saw in the crowd uh, during the world cup lots of smiles on the faces they were all enjoying themselves and that's that's what we want as a as a global game and then to have to have that publicity is only going to only going to grow the interest and help grow it further
0: indeed and, and like you say we want everybody smiling faces enjoying the game and just embracing
1: rugby yeah that's what rugby is all about i suppose you go back to the the core values there and that ticks all the
0: boxes it does indeed but let's get on our imaginary plane and fly back because we're looking at (laughs) bath see i've I've got this imagination today we're flying all over the world and we've landed at the wreck i know let's land in bath and (laughs) We've been looking at teams, uh, the Premiership 12 plus 1 being Newcastle. We haven't reached them yet, but we're currently on to sixth place. And that means Bath Rugby. Probably the biggest underperformers in Premiership over recent times, really, Matt. Is that that's a fair statement? Yeah,
1: I think so. I mean, particularly during the early early 10s, mid 10s, when they had Mike Ford at the, as coach and quite a few of the England team members Um splashed around the squad i mean george ford uh, jonathan joseph those kind of players i think they they perhaps should have won a league at that um at that um, period of time okay they were coming up against the strong Exeter, a strong saracens uh but i I think they should have certainly got into the top four a lot more than they did they were i think much better on paper than they were results wise
0: i always Used to look at Bath and I could never fathom why they never went further because they Mm. had, you know, Watson, Joseph, Rocket Agudi, um, Lowe. But, you know, so many players that on paper you should be winning week in, week out, every day of the month and, you know, scoring tries and winning titles. But, you know, they made eight finals around that sort of time and didn't get anything from it. And Europe, (laughs) Haven't been there
1: in a while, have they? No, I think for a few years around the early, sorry, the late noughties where they were challenging quarterfinals. uh, I think they might have even made a semi around that time. But um, really, they haven't troubled it in, well, certainly the last five years or so. And um, that's probably right after after Mike Ford left. Uh, A couple of years later, they lost a few of their players and um, kind of slipped down the table a little bit.
0: It's interesting because I listened to the House of Rugby podcast with Sam Burgess and what he came out and said about Mike Ford and his son George and sort of whether, you know, that had a knock-on effect in 2015-16 around the squad yeah. um, because he said, you know, it was quite openly he said that it wasn't a nice environment sort of for him and whether that then knocked on to the rest of the squad. But Mike Ford, as you said, left and then we had Todd Blackadder and now we've got Stuart Hooper club legend as a player but you sort of and I think this is probably I don't know what you feel on players turning coaches I always feel yep it's great but Mm -hmm. don't do it as soon as you stop playing.
1: Yeah I think you've got to be careful because the coach certainly in Stuart Hooper's case um, probably Jordan Murphy's case as well where you've got players that you used to play with still in the squad even as a head coach, D.O.R. You've you've got obviously got to do the coaching, but there's other things involved like uh, contract decisions, um, things like that, recruitment, and um, to do that with friends involved might not yield the best results. I'd I'd question if you're um, if you're bringing out the best that you can do uh, straight away. Certainly, when you've still got lots of players, lots of friends uh, still involved in the group.
0: Especially because you go from a teammate and a friend, and you can still Mm -hmm. be a friend, but that sort of going from a teammate to a a position of authority is difficult because you know you've got to really cut that friendship loyalty out in a sense Mm -hmm. and focus on getting the job done. And you look at getting the job done. Thirteen games in, he's he's done all right, I suppose especially given the squad 6 that That'd be a fair, fair representation on how they've done.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think at the start of the season, I I went to the rec uh, for one of the games. I think it was the Premiership Cup, uh, that, that four-week block that we had. And uh, I spoke to some of the fans and they kind of weren't expecting that much uh, this year, uh, particularly with Stuart Hooper. I don't think they all wanted Stuart Hooper to have the job there. I thought it was a little bit too early. But uh, I think they'll be happy with sixth, actually. Even uh, looking back at their most recent results, they were down in sort of tenth, ninth, tenth area with Leicester Wasps. Um, but they, they soon pushed themselves up uh, towards the top in the in the last few weeks before we stopped playing. <coughs> <laughs> you held that well. Sorry. Yeah, you, you <laughs> held on to that well. Until I finish talking.
0: Oh, terribly sorry that. No, you're you're completely right. Um, they sit tenth in terms of attack. Only Leicester and Worcester have scored fewer points than them. They've got the players, but they can't seem to make it play.
1: Yeah, it's a it's um, a strange <laughs> one in terms of in terms of the attack. I thought they were doing a little bit better than that. Typically, Bath teams of old certainly were uh, when you had Banahan. Uh, on the wing and uh, other sorts of players that would do his his job. I think, as we said, sixth is probably about right. Maybe they're a little bit of a head head of what 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 they are on paper, um, but certainly the season's obviously not finished yet, so things can change. I'm not sure what their fixture list looks like. I'm not sure what their running looks like, but uh, I know they play. Uh, Who is it they play in the first round? They're at home to London Irish and then away to Leicester in the second round or 15th round, should I say?
0: It's weird. Second, 15th, where are we? Who knows? (laughs) But a lot of attention has been on sort of Leicester, Gloucester, sort of what's happening with their players. They've lost some. Bath haven't been immune. They've lost eight players. Um, Quite a few of them are players that you wouldn't really expect to see leave um but could it what sort of effect does this have will it make them better worse
1: uh it's hard to say isn't it i mean if you're losing more than you're bringing in by certainly by that uh that margin then you'd think it's gonna hamper them a little bit i mean bath have been quite quiet uh, over the last few weeks um particularly with leicester taking the limelight as you mentioned and it seems like Bath have had a few issues themselves. I'm not sure exactly what's going on. But, um, yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, Ben Spencer, for, from coming from Saracens, that's that's going to help them a lot, I think. Uh, I think he'll be going to the 9 shirt and play really well for Bath. And, uh, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? We don't really know. It's hard to tell.
0: It is hard to tell, but I was actually really surprised with sort of Ben Spencer signing. He's been Saracen sort of through and through. But he signed a three-year deal with them, and he, he, I think, could bring something. They sort of need a faster attacking nine. You know, they sit 10th in the attacking stats, so hopefully he can add something to them that will really benefit.
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, he's been behind Richard Wheelsworth, hasn't he, at Saracen? Mm. Potentially, uh, we'll get a little bit more game time here at Bath. I'm not... Too sure whether he'll be starting every game, but certainly he'll get more game time. And maybe it's his time to really step up in his career and uh, make a make a big difference at Bath.
0: Potentially, he could sort of get back on the England radar. He was on it and then off, and mm. then I mean, every scrum half at some point has been on the England radar and then never seemed to sort yeah, of so come up your... anything. Yeah. So hopefully, you know, it will it will be good for him, but. Let's sort of look at their levers. big names, sort of Reese Webb, Francis Lowe has obviously retired, Freddie Burns, Chris Cook, um, Matt Garvey, Tom Homer. Matt Garvey, Tom Homer, you probably, and Chris Cook, you could say, you necessarily wouldn't have seen them leaving.
1: Yeah, the, the big one for me is Matt Garvey. I mean, he, to me, is what everything that Buff stands for. Um, he's, he's a classic Bath player I, I, it sounds quite wrong saying that in this day and age, but he is a stereotypical Bath player mm. in my opinion and uh, to see him leave is, is a shock for me I, yeah I was really surprised to see him on the leavers list I mean I thought maybe he'd retired but no I think they've released him
0: and let's look at sort of okay Bath we've got a few rounds left they're sitting in sixth, so Europe seems on the cards. But do they have it in them to to make Europe or maybe make fourth? They are five points from fourth.
1: Yeah, it's possible, isn't it? I mean, a lot of players, a lot of teams are going to benefit from this gap and having a new squad, Bristol in particular. Uh, I think Bath probably uh, won't feel that benefit as much, if at all. Um, but certainly, I think they can get Europe. Uh, they're well in the battle for that. I mean, there's talk of them opening up an extra two places, which would obviously help them a little bit. But they've actually qualified for Europe. Uh, I think, was it three out of the last... or four times out of the last five seasons or something? It's, uh, they've got quite a good record of a sneaking sixth place come the last day of the season. I know they did it last year. I think it, I think it was the last kick of the, the game at Leicester last year. That BAF uh, qualified for Europe.
0: Do you remember it well, Matt?
1: I do. I was (laughs) writing a match report and I had to uh, tip the match report on its head uh, because it changed the result that last try.
0: It is. And I'm sure lots of people who work in the industry will sympathise with us. (laughs) It is the hardest thing. You think you've got everything sorted, you've got about 20 seconds to go, and then you've got. And that
1: was the match report on the terrace, by the way.
0: Oh, fun. I uh, wasn't fun.
1: in the press box. <laughs>
0: <laughs> how fun. Well, next week we will be. I'm not going to say any travelling reference. I was going to try and name the motorway that you drive up to London, but we're not. We're going to be going to Harlequins. And we're also going to be looking, looking at the rest of the Premiership fixtures, how Premiership rugby have gone about dealing with them, and sort of who's playing who with what players where. Matt, <laughs> thank you for joining me. We'll see you next week. Cheers.